is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Esiason. I am back after the mutiny of last week. Uh, how are you guys? Thank you for doing the podcast without me. I'm glad. I'm glad to see the ship has not sunk. Yeah, it hasn't. We can keep it afloat. Okay, we're good. Yeah, you guys are actually proving your worth here by maintaining now several podcasts without me. So I, I like. Uh, it's I've got the recording thing down. You know There's what I mean? Like thing down. You know, I got the welcoming. Yeah, she's got the welcoming yeah. down. Yeah, I've got the, the recording down. And, and the closing. It's actually going well. And Summer did a great job, too. So Summer did well. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so today's, today's topic is a crazy one. Uh, we're yeah. doing taboo topics within the cystic fibrosis community. So things that are taboo that people don't love to talk about, but are otherwise giant elephants in the room that probably need to be talked about. Um, so we actually yeah. asked some of our <laughs> listeners for some suggestions, and uh, our topics are all over the place. So we're going to just kind of yeah. bounce around, uh, talk about some things, maybe some more intimate things and some things that are probably a little bit more uncomfortable for other people. So if you're listening with your kids, this may not be the episode to listen with your kids for. Probably not. No. Um, no. So we're, we're going to jump into it. Uh, the first one uh, to kind of start off a little easy is alternative remedies. Yeah. What do we think about alternative remedies in the cystic fibrosis world? Not, I'm not, not just you know medications or or remedies, quote unquote, that take place of other medications, but maybe supplements and things like that. Do you guys take supplements? Do you guys take do you know preach or like live by alternate alternative remedies? Do you guys do any of that mm-hmm. stuff? Really. The only time I use alternative remedies is if I have yeah. a cold and I do weird oh. stuff. Oh, yeah. do you remember that time? <laughs> was it? Was it the the onions in my socks? Was it no? Was it onion underneath your? Okay, so I read somewhere that if you chop an onion in half, and you leave it in your room. <laughs> I remember this. We were talking about this, and she did it. All right, I did this. Okay, I actually recorded it on Snapchat, and yeah. everyone was like, "You're a weirdo." I think I like made a shout out, like, "What should I name my onions?" But whatever. Anyway. I mean, like, so you go from not liking alternative remedies to doing like the most alternative thing you yeah. can think of by putting an onion I, in your. I'm sock. not into alternative remedies. I don't believe in them for CF. That's just my personal opinion. Everyone can do whatever they want to do. You know, I'm not on the essential oils either. I will never get back about that life. I I think when it comes to alternative remedies or maybe supplements or things that maybe not aren't part of the the day to day cystic fibrosis care Mm -hmm. regimen. Uh, yeah. I, I do think that there is something to be said about using certain things, you know, maybe salt mm-hmm. tablets or yeah. I like to use NAC. Um, I don't even know how to say right. the word for what NAC is. Uh, I use some, uh, you know, probiotics, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said about using those and discussing things with your doctor uh, as far as that kind yeah, of stuff okay. goes. But I would never do like I would never inhale colloidal silver. Instead no, of Toby, either. Example, and like, know? I've even asked my doctor about it before because I do see other people 
doing these different alternative remedies. And like, I am curious about it, you know, so I always run them by my doctor before I am to like try any of them. But usually it's just turned down. Like, it's just like, no. I mean, like the classic, like, uh, argument from these alternative remedies people is that, Oh, like the big bad pharmaceutical companies make so much money. We're never going to get into it because you won't make so much money. I mean, if your product actually worked, we'd be taking it. Like, let, let's right. be, let's, let's, let's be serious. I agree. You know, yes. there, there, there's no barrier to, yeah, exactly. There's no significant barrier to using these things and to studying them. If you want your product to be really working, I mean, really available patient wide. Mm-hmm. Get a study, right? right? Fund something. Yeah, right. You can make it happen. It's exactly like how if the onion actually worked, it'd be in the cold and blue aisle. But whatever. It is. It is kind of funny how like as soon as people get a cold or some kind of like like oh my gosh. you know I'm virus, people just turn into like immediate witchcraft. You're like, okay, <laughs> I'm crazy. Like, I need this in my like, soup. I need that in my soup. Garlic. Yeah, yeah. Garlic. that's the thing. And it was everything. Rub. Meanwhile, like for meanwhile for legitimate cystic fibrosis symptoms, were like, no, nah, we yeah, just have to do the run of the mill stuff. That stuff is crazy. Yeah. You would never do that. But yeah, as soon exactly. as you get a head cold, immediate yeah. witch. I mean, like onions you know what I'm saying? Like where? It's yeah, so yeah. funny. I'm not You're fixing potions <laughs> over there. Onion in your sock. I can't believe you did that. Yeah. that did you actually uh, I've sleep done through multiple the night? Multiple times. Uh, my boyfriend doesn't come around me for like a week because yeah, yeah it smells and it's gross. Do you think it works? <laughs> it does. <laughs> like I'm not joking I get rid of a cold faster if I do it and I have to be feeling like absolutely miserable if I'm absolutely miserable I will do it but like if I'm on the verge of being miserable I'm like no it's not worth it yeah, where, where it's do you... that miserable to do Tiffany have you have you, have you tried this lunacy it doesn't no, I didn't get a cold will, will, will you will you partake in this when you do get a cold eventually yeah I'm just making a challenge Oh, God. Onions are disgusting. Yeah, well, I hope you never get a cold, Tiffany, exactly. But if you do, will you partake in Leah's freaking onion? The onion challenge. The onion challenge. The onion challenge. Uh, That's horrendous. If you have the cold, try it and let us know. That's horrendous. That is absolutely horrendous. You're welcome. All right, so we're going to move on from the onion challenge to alternative remedies. So that no on alternative remedies. Um, Yeah. All right, so now let's talk about nursing hangovers in CF. So there are different techniques that people have used and technique that I have used actually several techniques that I've used uh, during my college days and my favorite one was using my pick line Mm -hmm. to use IV hydration to nurse a hangover while on Mm -hmm. spring break now I how how should I put this my senior year of college it was was time for spring break and I ended up getting uh, pretty sick beforehand and I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to go on spring break. It's kind of like a rite of passage for for for, co- for seniors uh, at BC. And uh, yeah. I, I was like, I you know I got to do this. How can I do it? And I made it came up with a plan with my doctors. And I you know one of my doctors even very infamously said, you know Gunner, you're going to be going on spring break. You're going to be you know your 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 feet are going to be in the sand, and you're going to be having one of those drinks, a little umbrella in your you know one one of the little umbrellas in the drinks. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. And as soon as he said that, I was like, is he giving me the green light to drink while on a pick line? And because yeah. generally speaking, they're like, that's a big no. You know, it's a big right. no is drinking yeah. a pick line. But I was, on spring, I was on spring break. It was college. You know, you do some stupid I stuff. I think they knew in that situation it was going to happen regardless. So might as well talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they, they were definitely yeah. getting They were getting out in front of the big issue. And right. uh, so the first night of college, the first night of spring break, it, I mean, there we were. We were out drinking. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning. My 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 buddies that I was rooming with, they were all just like crushed by a hangover, and I was like, "Wait, I know how I can deal with this." Yeah, 
I have IV. So I have IV hydration. You got that sodium chloride. Yeah. So away we went. Did uh, you just have bags of saline with you? Um, yeah. my my hydration comes like in the little like uh, eclipse balls. Oh. Oh really? I've yeah. never had that. They're like it's like a two hour. I never a, get it, hydration though. It, I get hydration with every IV, so I always uh, have hydration. Oh. Um, oh. But yeah, so I had hydration in the little clip, in, the, in the eclipse ball, and I was. I, there I was sitting on the beach with my IV. Hey, that that worked. Pumping the hydration. That's I mean, it was short. it was unreal. It was, you know, like those things that come over to like the people in Vegas, the the revive IV stations. Yeah, yeah. people are just like, yeah. I was oh, ahead of the curve on that. Topic. I was way ahead of the curve on that. You yeah. were. I you was were. so far ahead of the curve on that. Actually, using <coughs> prescribed hydration for an alternative method. Sure. I can't recommend this to any of our listeners, but it, I wouldn't it, recommend it. No, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I never, I never got drunk on an IV ever. Either. I was always told. I, I mean, I've like <laughs> drank, you know, like a glass of something on an IV, but that's about it. I can't. I say probably it. take a sip, but I never like drink. It definitely wasn't <laughs> one of my finer moments. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But I survived, and here I am doing this podcast now, recounting the story. Five years. I can't. It's been five years later. So you're uh, just so old. I know. Really, ladies and gentlemen, Gunner, the definition of health. (laughs) See, here I am today, talking to you about using IV hydration after a hangover. (laughs) You know, I had the pick line. I might as well use it, right? Yeah. Um, Okay. So the next little comment was: Has anyone used oxygen to fight a hangover? Uh huh. I never have. I I haven't been on oxygen, or I haven't used enough oxygen in my life to have to to know how to. We know whether this is even a thing. So you think well, it is a thing? It does. it does work. It works very well. Can you recount okay. the story for us? Yeah. What? Give us recount a story. Recount the story. Oh, well, like, I don't have a good one, but I will say, like, after I graduated and it was my birthday, we had a, oh, a yes. lot of fun. I was a like, A lot of fun. You know, it's... She did. She like, had a lot of fun. Last, like, hurrah, you know, kind of thing. Um, this was yeah. also like the last time she drank. I was, yeah, this is the last time. <laughs> so that that says something. But so we drank. Um, I think it was Fireball shots and what else? We had margaritas, Fireball shots, beer. It was just coming, and we were playing. Oh, sounds like hangover. Hangover in a sentence. There it is. It was. It sounds like I would have gotten sick. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess they have. Like angry orchard or whatever, and then yeah. you a fireball shot in it, mm-hmm. and it's like it's really good. It's like Christmas in a cup, you know. Oh, so that, yep. was, that, that was fireball would have made me sick. That was Christmas going down. So um, just little, I, just to say, I was very drunk and ended the night uh, very intoxicated. So in the morning, I did not feel that well. <laughs> and Naturally, I hooked up the oxygen. And cranked it, and it, I felt better. I did. I felt a lot better, even though like is I it can't like? Breathe. Did you know that it was going to help you, or did you just like? Yeah. Or did you think that? Oh, maybe no. if I turn this up, it'll help. No, I've heard. I heard that. Oh, it this helped. is a thing that people do. Yeah, yeah I've never so, heard about this. Oh my god! Have ever been to Vegas and seen the oxygen bars? <laughs> is that the point of them? I thought they yeah. were. Just, I thought that was just like a novelty. Oh, me too. I thought people were just weird and like inhaling like fruity oxygen. No, I'm pretty sure it helps with the hangover because the oxygen helped me with the hangover. So I'm saying that that's what that's for. And it's really weird to go to uh, when I went to Vegas this last time and saw one. Mm-hmm. I took a picture in front of it because it said breathe. 
<laughs> and to the oxygen bar or whatever. And I was like, this is so ironic. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it, and it actually helped. Yeah. Huh. I'm impressed. I, I, I always offer, I offered some to my friends before. Like, you want some oxygen? <laughs> <laughs> You're like one of those like portable oxygen places. Yeah. Got it. Um, so uh, the other way to cure a hangover that I've also used is the G-tube. Now, the G-tube, since it's like another map, this, that isn't really quite as exciting as using oxygen to cure a hangover. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. if, in, in years past when I have had a hangover, I don't really drink too much anymore. Uh, yeah. But in years past when I, when I have, when I was younger, I always used to use my G-tube the next morning for Pedialyte. I would just put a little sugar, a little salt in the Pedialyte, a little salt, you know, a little extra uh-uh. salt, a little added salt, and uh-huh. just do half a liter of Pedialyte. And... You pee it all. You pee it all out, and you feel great. I mean, yeah, it's like it's, it's like Gatorade without the sugar. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that really makes sense. Yeah, I cool. never. Thought I've it. never thought about it, but I've also yeah. never had a G tube. You know what I mean? So I feel like if I did, it would have crossed my mind. I, I mean, I've used my G tube in a number of ways. I I've I told the story that one time when I, you know, shotgun the beer through my G tube. Yeah. But I've also used the G tube feeds as a way to counterbalance. Uh, Hangover, you know they they they're they're jammed full of nutrients and stuff like that. So I've used the feeds right. to, to to fight back against the hangover. But I found that Pedialyte is the way to go if you want to fight a hangover with a G tube. Pedialyte is definitely the recommended choice. So it's probably the healthiest choice. And they've rebranded to that now. That like oh yeah, they have. Yes, they have. Oh, yeah, I've heard that about is right. that. See, yeah. again, I was ahead of the curve. I did this years yes, ago. You God, you're I, just so advanced, oh Scott. Where, where is my cut? In this? I, I am the Mark Zuckerberg of taboo topics in the CFO. Obviously, I need I am so far ahead of everyone, everyone else. That's what, that's what <laughs> this is telling me. Um, okay, so we're we're done, we're going to move away from that. Um, okay, so speaking of share, speaking of sharing things, as Tiffany was a moment ago about sharing the the oxygen tubing, this was an interesting one. Someone uh, commented, uh, well, or asked us to talk about PFT machines. How come we don't share nebs or vests or anything like that? Yet yeah. when we go to clinic, we all share the same PFT machine. Why not? Why not? I think that's why, a great one. Why yeah. not use separate PFT machines? Yeah, I don't know why they. I don't either. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I I guess I have thought about it, but I just pretend well, not to care because it yeah, just seems so normal. I didn't even think about it, actually. I've thought about it, but yeah. I try to ignore it. Like, I try not to think about it because it freaks me out. It's almost like you trust the, the clinic to have your best interest in mind. Yeah. So what I think about a lot now, especially since I'm a nurse and I see how people clean things, mm-hmm. I think about the fact that this probably is not as clean as you would think it would be. Right. You know what I mean? Especially yeah, even like right. the rooms that we go in. Like I'm sure they just wipe it down real quick and like that's right. it. They don't because make they sure that that's on the surface for five minutes or whatever it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Well, they have so, to get so many patients a day, so I'm sure it's not. <laughs> I know. At least the piece that our mouth goes on is sterile, is sterile and it's brand new. But... Yeah, it's usually where they understand like the way you hold it, or because I always hold the a bar, or I don't touch anything. I always hold like a certain place that I don't think anybody else would hold. Is is your PFT machine like in the box, or is it me a standalone thing? Yeah, either of you. Um, so mine sometimes is in a box, and then sometimes it's not. It's in like Mm -hmm. a room. Yeah, mine's the same exact way, but it's essentially the same machine. I mean, it's not really any different. 
Yeah, it's the same machine. It just depends which one I, opens right at that time. Yeah. I haven't gotten the box, I don't think, in probably 10 years. I don't years. like it. 10 years. I, my least. results are never as good. Kind of makes you feel anxious, I think, because then. Yeah. yeah. We have to Even though the doors open. But yeah, still- they leave the door open, but, like, I'm one of those people, I do PFTs, and, like, I have to see the computer, I have to be mm-hmm. able to see, like, what I'm doing, and, like, yeah. gauge where I'm at, and, see and if I don't have that, I don't do well, because <laughs> that's how I do PFTs. Yeah. So when I'm in the box, I can't do that. I like to look yeah. at the computer also. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this person brings up an interesting point. Uh, you yeah. know, she recommends, you know, why don't we all have individualized PFT machines? Like, we all have individual nebulizers and then, you know, sort of mm-hmm. calibrate it back I to... I wish we could get to that because I, mean, I think we'd have even more accurate results because when you think about it, most people are going to clinic every three months and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to do a little snapshot of mm-hmm. how you are this very second and we're going to gauge all of our treatment around that little snapshot. If yeah. you did them every single day and that was sent to your clinic, you're going to have such better and different results. Uh, I, I would agree you know with you. I, mean? I would agree with you entirely, but I, I once did a, uh, a clinical study and part of the clinical study was to do a PFT every single day. Yeah. After, after, after five days, I wanted to break that goddamn machine. It oh, sucked. I mean, I hated that thing. But I, I, you know, there's something to be said, though. If a patient did a you know PFT every two weeks or you know every mm-hmm. every week, or, or like you know once what? a week, exactly, I mean, like, and you could see and you could see a trend, and you know it, it's not outside the realm of possibilities for these things to be transmitting with the clinic. We already right. have, the vest machines are starting to go in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. Clin- clinical workers and, and your care team are able to get into the data to see how often you're using the vest and what frequency and right. stuff you're using it on. <laughs> so this isn't that, that that far outside the realm of possibility. We all have vests, you know. I think it would be a bit of an insurance nightmare. Uh, to begin with, but it could get figured out, and this is something that I think eventually we will start going. I think this is this is definitely a possibility, and I'm happy right. this person brought up this topic because it is something that now we're, we're we're out here talking about. Is it worth it for us to have individualized PFT machines that we can use to show a larger trend to our care teams? Yeah. I completely agree. I also think it's great because let's say you do it once a week, and that's your thing. You can pick the day and the time where you feel the best. Yeah, you know true. what I mean. So, and you're not going to have as much anxiety, I don't think. I agree. It, it may also, yes, it definitely, it it may help with yeah. the PFT anxiety because PFT anxiety is a thing that a lot of people have, especially for mm-hmm. parents. Right? Think about oh, if you're oh, a parent yeah. of a little kid, and your little kid all of a sudden doesn't have a great PFT score, he's going to have yeah. to go into the hospital for two weeks. Your life is also thrown upside down as well. Right. So I right. think PFT exam, <laughs> you know, PFT anxiety transcends the entire family. It does, mm-hmm. and I think it starts when you're young because I remember when I was young, my parents would both come in to the PFT, they'd be cheering me on, you know, like wanting me to do my best. But if I didn't get a number that we were hoping for, it'd be like, well, try again. You know what I mean? And with time that kind of gets in your head, like nothing on them. I would do the same exact thing as a parent because you want the best for your kid. But I'm at a point in my life now where no one can be in that room when I do them. Yeah. No one, just the technician and that's it. So I think it would definitely help that. Yeah. I I let my mom come in now. She's yeah. Always, yeah. Like, but if I go to just CF clinic, I go by myself. But yeah. if I go to transplant clinic, I have I have to have my mom there. Do you do you tell your parents your PFT scores or, or your significant other's PFT scores? Yeah, I tell both. So mm-hmm. I usually don't. I say yeah. either went up or it went down or say the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a guy thing because my other friend doesn't tell anybody either. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm pretty open about it. I never mm-hmm. tell people my scores. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. I won't tell Instagram or anything, but... <laughs> Me either, but... 
you know. I mean, I think if someone really asked me, I would tell them, uh, you know, mm-hmm. someone I'm close with, but I would never put that out. I never offer that information to the public. That's part of my, right. you know, personal medical, uh, exactly. my, yeah. you know, personal no, medical mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, yeah, I, I do think we can come back to this PFT machine thing. Uh, and it is something that I would like to see us go towards. And I'd like to see Cystic Fibrosis Foundation mm-hmm. get out in front of this one uh, for, for sure. sure. Um, so now let's go to some of the genetic side of things. We had a number of questions about the genetics around cystic fibrosis. Uh, mm-hmm. Genetics is one of those things where, <laughs> the ethics of which are always debated. All the, you know, you, you're never going to yeah. find a single stream about genetics. People always have an opinion about it uh, to the point where sometimes, you know, some opinions about it make other people feel either, um, you know, secondary or, or, or otherwise. So let's, let's, let's get into the genetics around cystic fibrosis. Uh, do you think carriers are actually symptomless? Um, I think some of them are and some of them aren't. Because I've met... So my parents, they don't have any symptoms, but I've met a friend of mine who is a carrier and she has a lot of asthma and she's had a lot of uh, breathing issues. Both. I would agree. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think, I don't know. This is a hard one. I, is it has mm-hmm. something that's really been looked at. Both of my parents have, uh, you know, they, they, they clear their throats a lot. They, sometimes they will get coughs. Uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, that, is that, is that related to the CFTR medication? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know um, either. But I, you know, I think there are some people out there that feel like they are traditional symptom carriers, or they are they do have symptoms of cystic fibrosis. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, and I think the the general feeling is that carriers are in fact symptomless, and I think that's probably pretty true compared to cystic fibrosis at large. Right. You can also get into the atypical CF. You know, mishmash of you know what is atypical CF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, atypical CF are generally people who have one identified mutation and, and an unidentified other mutation. Right. You know, but if you have cystic fibrosis, you probably you you have CF. I mean, the genetics are pretty straightforward. The simple fact yeah. of the matter is that a lot of genes are unidentified, right? So mm-hmm. you know, we there have are, we yeah. have you know whatever is fifteen hundred genes that have been identified. There are mm-hmm. genes that have not been identified, and that's sort of how people will slip through the cracks. You know, the, mm-hmm. the testing for CF is not perfect. Yeah, it's not, and you know, I do think there's a fine line between if you're a carrier and you think you have symptoms. I mean, like my sister, for example, she she has like sports induced asthma, so if she goes for a run. <clears throat> when she comes back, she has a cough, she's wheezing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she yeah. sounds like me after I run, you know. And we've never known, is that because she's a carrier or is that just because genetically that's what she has going on? You know what I mean? Like you truly don't know. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can create a fine line when someone finds out that they are a carrier because, you know, a lot of my cousins, a lot of family members, they've been finding out that they actually are carriers because of like 23andMe and like different things like that that come back and they tell you, look, you're a carrier for CF. So then it starts clicking in their head, oh, I have CF too. And it's like, no, you don't have CF, you're a carrier. You know what I mean? So then yeah. they start thinking that they're in the same situation as you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's reason to suggest that by virtue of having a non-cystic fibrosis mutation, basically the, the dominant gene, the dominant yeah. CFTR gene, you have protein functionality in the cells. So that there'd be no right. reason to suggest that you would have symptoms right. of cf you know the, the protein right. is the issue that happens in cf and we'll talk to about talk about it in a minute comparing some of the the, the classes of mutations here in a second but mm-hmm. ultimately what it comes down to is when you do have the dominant cftr mutation meaning it does have functionality 
the protein in your cell is working. It's doing what it's supposed right. to do, and that's why you're not having symptoms like we have. The reason we have cystic fibrosis is because the protein doesn't, you know, transport the 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 the, the salt to the yeah, to, right. to the, the cell isn't surface even or whatever. Made to exactly. begin with, or it's made and it doesn't get to the surface. It's it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. I mean, there's, there's a million different exactly. there's a million different yeah. examples, but right. You know, by virtue of that happening, we get the thick, sticky mucus, and the thick, sticky mucus is present in a, do- a number of different organs. The, the, that's right. really the the you know the 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 the, the, the linchpin in the whole thing. Like that's what mm-hmm. that's what it is. And I th- I think ultimately what it comes down to is uh, whether or not that protein is working. And if you are a you know carrier, it should be working, and you probably do not have symptoms. So that's where I stand right. on this. I, I think it probably yeah, I agree in with people's you. head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it could be some other part of the genetic code that is you know creating these issues. Exactly. Um, now within cystic fibrosis itself, though. We have different classes of mutations, so we have different severity of mutations, and I think yeah. people uh, love to compare themselves to other CF patients. I don't think it's appropriate for people to be comparing themselves. It's, you deal with your either. own stuff, Mm-mm. but people do feel like there is a difference between, uh, you know, stop mutations, you know, mutations that end with the letter X, and class yeah, like two, me. exactly. Yes, me. you both yeah, have stop mutations. I do not. I do yeah, not have a stop too. mutation. Uh, then there's also the class two mutations, which means they have minimal protein functionality, whereas Stop mutations have zero protein functionality right. or zero and protein the class even made. Two is usually the delta F five hundred eight. That's yes, a minimal function yeah. mutation. And then we have the what we call the CF light mutations, or the gating mutations, or the right. um, or the residual function mutations, meaning there is some functionality in the cell. So, yeah. do you think there really is that much of a difference between is it appropriate for people to be comparing themselves and the genetics of CF? You mm-hmm. know, is everyone have CF together, or is it you know I've got CF heavy and you know. You have CF light, you have it easy. I don't necessarily think that CF works that way. Like, I do agree that, okay, I have a stop code on. So I'm not even, my read through of my DNA isn't even happening. Like, there's no, there's no protein being made whatsoever. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I know people that have two stop codons and they're doing better than I'm doing. You know what I mean? And then I know other people who have these, like class three or class four where they're, you know, these like the gating or residual function. Yeah. When they are like that, they're supposedly supposed to be healthier and they're doing worse than me. So I don't necessarily think that that really determines what your health's going to be. Yeah. You know, you know, I, it's interesting because if you look at the cystic fibrosis patient registry and I saw a, a part of it the other day, and it, and it mentioned that people who have class one or class two mutations have a higher incidence of depression and anxiety than people who have dating mutations or quote unquote less severe mutations. Okay. Now I think that's probably uh, not that surprising. Why? Because I, you I know, don't gen- think it is generally either. speaking, as we think people stop code under class two mutations have more severe disease. Do we think that's actually true? I think that does make sense. Yes, I think it does. I think it makes sense. I'm just saying that overall. Just because you have that kind of mutation doesn't necessarily mean, oh, it's a death sentence or, oh, yeah. this is like yeah. how your course of CF is going to go. Yeah. Because yeah, I think sometimes just, it doesn't. There's general, there are other they're, factors. They're generalities <laughs> is what they are. Right. I mean, there's other factors like the infections that we get. Some people don't have infection in their lungs. They don't. No, they don't. So they're not getting that damage like what other people who do have chronic infections are mm. getting. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that into consideration. You also have to take into consideration how people take care of themselves. Are they doing their treatments? Are they going to their doctor's appointments? Are they taking their pills? 
Some people do, some people don't. So I think there's multiple factors that go into that. It's not just, hey, your CF's the really bad kind, so obviously you're going to be sicker. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's kind of where I'm at with that, but, you know. Well, because you can have someone that's... Genetics also. You can have someone that has double delta, and they're doing worse, and then another person that's doing well. So It's the same with families. Like, there's a lot of families where there's multiple siblings with the same exact mutations. One's, you know, waiting for a double lung transplant. The other's out thriving and, like, like, has a family or whatever. You know what I mean? And has, like, 100% lung function. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it. I I totally agree. And I think for that reason, you know, it's probably inappropriate for people to be comparing themselves to one another. Within the community, you you have to deal with a very individualized disease. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, moving on with genetics... Do you think it's appropriate to pass on your genetic code? Mm. You know, by by virtue of having children. We all might disagree about this. I don't know, but I I'm fine with it. Mm. Maybe that makes me selfish. I don't know, but mm. <laughs> I think it's okay. You know, I think as long as you make I think this, it's fine. I think as you're making informed decisions. Um, you know, if your partner is a carrier or whatever, and then you you know go through that gen- might be a little bit different. You go through you know? genetic counseling, and there are people who do right. have that situation. They go through genetic counseling, yeah. and it all works out. Uh, you know, right. you know, genetic IVF and, and PGD and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, I do think I think it's okay. But, you know, if you're on the other end, you're gonna have a carrier, and you're you know, you know what's gonna happen, and you take exactly. control of the situation. That's okay. Um, yeah, if yeah. you understand what is going to go on with mm-hmm. CS, um, I think it's okay. If you understand, you have um, capabilities of. Handling everything, of treating it, yeah, of treating it, yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that's um, definitely think that's part of it. Um, okay, so now since we're talking about passing on the genetic code, let's talk about some inti- the intimacy, the intimate side of cystic fibrosis oh, yeah. and some intimacy. Yeah. We got a number of questions, um, which is really kind of interesting that asked about yeah. uh, sex and CF. So here we are talking about something that I don't think I ever thought I'd be talking about in a public venue, but yet <laughs> here either. we are. Um, I'm not a very open person about this stuff. Yeah, so, so I mean, this you is know, going to be interesting. We'll, we'll give this a whirl. Um, yeah, right. You know, hopefully our significant others remain significant afterwards. Uh, you know, yeah. I think uh, this is one. That's a joke, by the way. Um, this is one it's of those a joke, things, but is it a joke? I'm just joking. <laughs> this is one of those questions where people has you know has uh, CF ever gotten in the way or has it ever created mm-hmm. a barrier? And I will say that um, you know I, I had one very specific moment back. Uh, when I was in college and uh, I had my G-tube and I was, let's, let's put it this way, I was courting a girl, a nice young lady that I really was, that I was interested in and I uh, was hoping that would one day become my, my college girlfriend. And, um, you know, things like started to get a little hot and steamy, let's put it that way. Yeah. And all of a sudden I noticed that my G-tube had opened up. Oh, shoot. <laughs> That's so awful. And, so I know. I would have laughed. G-tube in this situation. I know. So the, like, the G-tube, this is real life. Yes. This is yes, real life. The G-tube opened up, and um, I, I didn't notice it. I, You know, I it, it, it must have been open for, you know, a number of minutes, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, like I noticed something terrible had just happened, and I didn't know what the terrible <laughs> thing was. And I looked down, and I, my, my, I was covered in, like, but the, the flap of the G-tube was open. I was covered in, like, my stomach contents, obviously. Oh, and, and And so is she. And I was, like, just totally oh. mortified. Like, oh, my God, what have I just done? Oh, no. And, I mean, <laughs> she quickly realized what had just happened, too. And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. So, like, it, like she played it off totally cool. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. 
this could have been a just a huge disaster. And I've I've realized that if I can survive that, yeah, survive I could probably anything. survive can, anything. I don't I have a good story to compete that's with. A, that. That's a big like you win. Yeah, you do win. Uh, that, I mean, that was like a that was probably the most you know visual Word representation of, of CF getting in the way, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, then yeah. we also had, you know we had questions that asked about you know one night stands is that appropriate for people with CF. Have you ever had one? You know, I I think like. It, what it comes down to is, <clears throat> is it appropriate? I think it's whatever is appropriate for you. Right. Um, but I yeah. also think that, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a normal, healthy part of life. And yeah. it's also something that you want to be smart about. You know, I think, you know, it's a lot true. of us do think that uh, by virtue of, you know, either male infertility in CF or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes female infertility in CF, the, uh, the chances for a mistake, quote-unquote, are significantly less <laughs> than the general population. Right. Uh, but it's also important to practice safe techniques and... and exactly. And exactly. Um, if they seem like they're sick, probably not a good idea. <laughs> right. <clears throat> like, I don't know. I think I hit a point in life where it was like, okay, probably shouldn't like make out with someone that, you know, yeah. I don't really know because <laughs> but, who knows what germs they have. <laughs> <laughs> I just killed you. But like, there's yeah. an example, you know, like, that's a real <laughs> thing in college. Like it's people just make different. out with each other and you're just well, like, okay, whatever. Uh, too. Yeah. It's oh. like, right. It's not the best judgment sometimes. <laughs> no. And you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> Like, what you it. said, Gunner. Like, yeah, you really just have to be smart. Think about what you're doing. Make a good decision and be mm-hmm. safe with whatever you decide to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there is like an extra hurdle for people with CF to get over when it comes to like being intimate with another person. You know, yeah. there's, there's heavy breathing, there's coughing, there's mm-hmm. breathlessness. Yes. There's yeah. also like physical hurdles. Like, you have a pick line in, there's like, there's like, you got wires hanging off you. Yeah. You that also one was have... hard for me to like get mm-hmm. over. For a while. I don't yeah. know if I'm even over it, but like, you know, my port's access and it's yeah. like, it's just kind of there, you know, it's like, there. what do you do with it? Yeah. You're like, this isn't attractive. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's, it's a part of you, you know, like, just like the, the G-tube, like, the, like the, the time that my G-tube spilled on, you know, the, the young lady that I was trying to, to court at the girlfriend? time. She did. She ended up becoming my my, oh, my girlfriend wow. for a few like you know for we we dated for you know however however many months during college. It was like you know it was like it was a college girlfriend, um, and we're you know we're 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 still friendly, uh, but you know I I think it was one of those things where it was like okay if I can live through that I can live through anything like I yeah, that's yeah. a that's definitely a you know a, a very crazy moment that probably won't happen again, but yeah. that's probably it probably won't get worse than that. And right. I think, like, when you're, you know, dating and you, like, go through uh, through life and you're trying to create relationships or whatever, yeah. you know, it's, it's important to be open about those kinds of things. Like, hey, I've got a feeding tube or, I have, you know, I have a port or whatever. And, I, like, yeah. it, it's, it's important to communicate about topics like that so that there aren't right. surprises. Um, and, I mean, you know, this girl, yeah. did, she knew that I had a feeding tube. It wasn't, like, a shock yeah. that, like, something just, just exploded on her that she didn't know it, what it was. It's like when, like, <laughs> Tiff and I have both experienced this, like guys have thought that our ports are tumors yeah you know and then that's a whole topic in and of itself um but yeah I think it's important to explain it to the other person I also think you know some things are different like what you're saying like heavy breathing and coughing and different things like that 
But at the same time, like at the end of the day, if you're in a relationship and the person really cares about you and loves you, they really don't care about that. You know, I think it's more a thing that we're so self-aware of and we're self-conscious about more so than like how the other person feels about it. Oh, absolutely. And I you think, know what I mean? I think for that reason, you know, for that reason, it, it you know, generally relationships is it's, it's part of that. That's part of, right. you know, being open with your partner. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, which may, you know, and other sense of the, you know, the same thing we're talking about, make one night stands a little bit more awkward because you may not yeah. have that report or that, you know, that report or that uh, relationship yeah. with, you know, you know, a random person. Yeah, I feel like right. that would be awkward, you know, um, just because it's like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm coughing up a lung. You have no idea why. <laughs> Occasionally, I'll cough up blood, and here it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's like, you know, but if you're with someone that you're, if you're with someone you're comfortable with, you know, that you may not experience that. But yeah. if you, you know, you're a risk taker and you want to, you know, experience this awkward things, you, you know, then all, all the power edge. to you. You know, it, it's all, it's, it's whatever is appropriate for you in your personal life. And, you know, it's important for people with CF2 uh, to also have these moments in life as well. It's just, you know, there are going to be interesting cystic fibrosis-specific moments that mm-hmm. other people may not have. But at the same time, that's a very good point you made, Leah, by saying we're very self-aware of what goes on in our lives. We are. Whereas the other person, you know, our partners, they, they're just concerned with – they're just as self-aware about themselves as, as we are about us, you know? so. Right. I, I think that's an important thing to to, mm-hmm. to leave that topic with, and and ultimately it is important for people with cystic fibrosis to also feel intimate and also uh, to dive into these kinds of things. Definitely, yeah. just because you have CF doesn't mean you should like you shouldn't. You just need to be smart about what's the best for you and be aware, talk these things out. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, all right, so you know we'll, we have a few more topics left before we end up here. Um, uh, one of them is uh, is death. Right, so now yeah. we talked about giving life. Now we're talking about taking it away. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think uh, also one of the other topics is using humor to cope, which is what we're oh. doing right now. But yeah, I do uh, a lot. But but let's talk about death for a moment. And uh, you know, yeah. we're, the big elephant in the room here is that we are dealing with a terminal illness, meaning there is no cure. So exactly. statistics yeah. tell us that cystic fibrosis, one way or another, will lead to our okay. deaths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something either of you think about? Um, I think um, transplant, yes. Before transplant, you did? Yes, because I was very, very sick, and I did not know how long I had. I think I kind of thought about it more because I was so ill. What kind of, th- what kind of thoughts were you having? Just like, am I going to get my lungs soon enough? Am I going to be okay? Is the, are these antibiotics going to hold me out mm. for that call? Yeah. Because at the end, like we've said before, I was very, very sick, and those antibiotics were becoming resistant. I and mean, they I were think, only working for her for like two weeks, and then it was like, oh, hey, we've got to switch it up. Okay. And when you're yeah. running out of options, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I think I started thinking about it, but, you know, I kept my positivity, of course, because yeah. I knew those were coming, and if they're going to come, they're going to come now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's. I think that's when I really thought about it. I, n- I didn't really think about it before, to be honest. Um, right. You hear about the life expectancy, and people ask you about it. Yeah, they do. You have to just say, you know, that's not that's not what's going to happen to me, per se. You know? I could live way longer than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So just kind of taking a positive route on it. <coughs> yeah, I mean, is, is it something that... Uh, you know, either of you fear, or is it something that you like? You know, you don't you don't love thinking about, or is it something that mm-hmm. you know, when you you know, 
to, to be blunt, Tiffany, uh, is something you were faced with when you went for the transplant surgery. You know, is yeah. that is it, you know is it something that you know? Oh. I personally, for me, it's something that you know mm-hmm. I, I try to convince myself that you know you, you you're born, you live, and then you die. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's gonna yeah. die eventually. But you know, right. you do what you can to stay alive, and survival yeah. is what we're doing here, and we we all do that very well. Yeah. Right. Well, before the trans, <clears throat> when I was getting wheeled in the OR, I broke down. That's the only time I cried. I broke down right there because I think it hit me that yeah. I'm going to go into this OR. I'm going to go in or I'm come out or I'm not coming out, you know? Right. Yeah, I know. I was just like, you know, I have to, I, this is what I have to do to survive. I'm going to do everything I can. And, mm. uh, you know, that's when I just, the reality just hit me. And then right. just went in and did it. And look, look at me now, you know? But, right. like... You know, I didn't, I only thought about it right then, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, I, I think there are moments in CF where we are confronted with it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you feel like when you get very, very sick, it's all of a sudden you reminded yourself of your, your, your morality as a human being and that you, you know, you do have a, there is, there is a, a the clock is ticking, so to speak. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, we can do whatever we can to to keep that clock ticking. Um, right. You know, I, 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 I do, I, I, I don't, I try not to let my mind wander in that direction. You know, I, yeah. I think it's something, Same, but, but I also think it's, happen. I think it is important to confront mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it also shows you how precious life is. You know, I, yes. I think does. my biggest fear is, you know, what would life be like for my friends and family yes. without me? Like, that's my I, biggest that fear. That was a big thing for me, too. I yeah. thought, what, was it, what would it be like if I didn't come out of this? That yeah. Happened. To be honest, when I think about things like that, even, like, the progression of the disease and just getting sicker and, you know, all the things that come with having CF, a lot of times it's not necessarily me being upset over the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, I could die or I could, you know, get sicker and not be able to work anymore or X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of times I'm not upset about that. I'm upset about how that will affect, you know, my family, my parents, my sister, my boyfriend, mm-hmm. my friends. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I care about more than how it personally affects me. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I can deal with anything. Yeah. You know, true. like, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Even even if you're dead, it. even if you're dead, you can deal with it. I can deal with it. You know what? Like, if that happens, it was my time. That's yeah. where I'm at with that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I just think I kind of live by everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. You do your best every day. You have goals, you know, whether they're short term or long term. You work towards them. You do the best you can to stay healthy. But at the end of the day, you're not totally in control of everything. Nope. You know, and you just have to live your best life. And I think CF is is good in a sense because it does make you think about these things every so often. Hopefully you don't think about them all the time because it shouldn't be consuming you. But you're thinking about these things and it's like, okay, I think it makes you live more. I think it makes you want to experience more and do more. And I think that is something to be appreciative of, you know? You don't take a breath for granted. Right. Like, I really try to, every (laughs) single day, do (laughs) something that I've been wanting to do or... You know what I mean? Like, even if it's small, just you know, you're more present. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the fear is a is a good if if fear is the appropriate word, but I think it's an emotion that lets you know that you're still alive, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it lets you know that you're still living and you're still you're still charging uh, charging forward. And I, I think that 
you know, like like we said that you know, for me, like my my biggest fear is what would life be like for everyone else without me, and then that yeah. that I use that as not only a motivation but also as a way to remember that I am still alive and I do have the opportunity to do these things. Um, I think the eventuality of what comes after death is not something that I really toy around with. You know, I I have no way of knowing what that is, but, and and we, and we could, you know, we could get into the ethics surrounding that and existentialism another time. But I I, I do think that what it comes down to is like you said, Leah, is that you have the opportunity to do something new every single day and you have to take that moment and and, and go with it. And by virtue of us having these, very real life or death moments. I mean, I know that if we didn't have mm-hmm. these medications that I had every day, I, I, w- I would be dead. I mean, there, there's no, I would too. That. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's no denying where, where we would be without what we have. Right. Yeah. Um, but and, I also, I'm not really one to live by life expectancy cause I truly don't believe in it. Ooh. I mean, normal people who don't have CF or don't have anything wrong with them. They could get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Let's just go with that. Like, that could happen. I also, I'm faced with this discussion a lot because, you know, a lot of my patients, they're faced with similar decisions as I am when it comes to CF. I mean, they don't have CF. They have other conditions, but they're having doctors tell them, you're you're only going to live a year if you choose this treatment, or you'll live seven years if you choose this treatment. How does one really know that? They don't. So I'm all about, you know, you do what's best for you. You know, and you do your best every day to stay as healthy as you can. But at the end of the day, you're not God. So I just don't buy life expectancy. You make a lot of good points. And I I think, um, I think to wrap this up here, you know, we can end it on a happy note here. Yeah. I think um, you're underscoring part of the maturity that people see at the have, you know, and there's there's different, there's there's different kinds of maturity, right? You know, you, you grow up. And, you know, being disciplined and, and being regimented and finding routine, that's part of the maturity. But right. the real maturity that a lot of people see I find in their 20s that other people may not find till later in their lives is, yeah, you have an opportunity to make something of yourself. And you have to choose whether or not to do it. Because, you know, statistics do say that, you know, our lifespan may be a bit shorter. And whether or not we want to choose to, to live by that is one thing or another. But uh, for me, it's a motivator. And I think ultimately finding motivation finding motivation in in a number of different things is very important for people with CF yeah. and without CF as well. And, and, okay. I, and I think, um, you know, Tiffany, you also said that yourself when you got wheeled into the, to the emergency room, you know, um, yeah. to the uh, operating room rather, you know, you're either going to make it either or not. And you got to go in yeah. and do it because you got You want to survive. And ultimately yeah. surviving is what we all do best. You know, we, we, we do from the very beginning. People with CF are so resilient. You know yeah. what I mean? And when you look at a normal person, again, who's completely healthy, they're the type of person that their body has never had to fight. So if they get something like the flu, those are the people that die from the flu. You know what I mean? Like that's the reality of the situation. Our bodies know how to keep fighting and be resilient. doesn't mean they'll be able to do that forever, Uh but guess what? No one's body can do that forever. No No one is going to live forever. Everyone's going to die at some point. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that is what it is. You know, no one's meant to be here forever. So I think you just have to have a positive mindset about all of that. Exactly. Back to positivity. I, agree. I know. We'll all always right. go back to that. All right. So this has been a super long podcast. We're in, into yeah. minute 47. So we're going to wrap this Woo! up. Um, all right. So if you want to hear us podcast about something specific, you can always reach out to us at our new email address at Woo! breathe underscore in underscore pod at org. You can also hit us up there at, on Instagram at breathe underscore in underscore pod. 
And then if you want to hit us up on iTunes, remember to rate and review five stars. Five stars on Always iTunes. Five. five stars on iTunes. And really write a review. We love he- yes, reading the reviews. So, we actually yeah. got a review like a week ago, so it's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah we're good. We have like we have almost a hundred ratings on iTunes. That's pretty good. Amazing. Uh, Keep it going, guys. Um, so remember to make sure we're out, the podcast is out every Thursday. iTunes, SoundCloud, GunnerSizen.com. We're on social media. There's Holy Sisters with the C. Hit up the store and, and Etsy. Uh, that's all I have for me. Make sure you keep living. Uh, yeah. Tiffany, Leah, I'll see you guys next week. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.